Welcome to the In Hope Podcast. This is Preach. And Aria. <laughs> Who are you? Avery. We are addressing topics to help strengthen and unify the body of Christ. You, you got the lowdown on me, um, so so give me the lowdown on you. How how did you come to be at E three? Who are you? Where what what's your your Christian walk? What brought you to where you are now? Man, you know, I've heard that question a lot throughout my life. You know, what's the what's your journey? What's your story? Yeah, like I yeah. always pick up on different things as I go each time. Um, thanks for this, like. Yeah, for this purpose today, for about how I ended up at E3 in this space, it really started in high school, very similar mm-hmm. to you. Is that oh, wow. A, um, not, not a conversion experience per se, because I, I grew up in the church, you know, I, I, from a very young age. So I, okay. I, uh, I knew the Lord. I remember when I was like six, I had like left, left, let a balloon go out of the side of a car and it floated up. My mom said it went to heaven and I said I wanted to go to heaven. So I accepted like, <laughs> Jesus because I wanted to meet Come the balloon on someday. Now. You know? Yeah, you want to get that balloon back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where your treasure oh, is. Where your treasure Amen. is. Your heart will be also. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus connected to the hearts of little kids. Uh, um, but in high school, I really developed like this personal uh, <laughs> like journey with him. And out of that, I really felt a call, desire, whatever you want to call it, to be a youth pastor. Um, nice. So, in fact, I remember in <laughs> one service one day, in a youth group at our high school, our pastor was, you know, he was like, hey, what do you feel like some stuff God's calling you to? And we raised yeah. hands, and I yep. raised my hand, yep. and I'm like, oh, I'm called to be a youth pastor. And my, <laughs> my 15-year-old voice cracked. <laughs> so nice. I, I, my friends never let me live that one down for a long time. So. <laughs> So I went to uh, college in a small university called Lee University in uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, was originally going to go for pastoral ministry, but um, my brother-in-law had went through that same track and said it yeah. was he felt the theology program was a lot better um, mm. at that school. So I ended up studying theology and um, went to get my master's after that, um, after a couple of years, kind of roundabout way. And yeah, yeah. Master's in theology. And I'd always felt like more life as a ministry than called to a particular church. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I felt like everything I was doing, I was always asking, okay, Jesus, what does it look like to share your love, to be the hands and feet in this moment? And I, uh, for a long time was a server in restaurants. That's I awesome. I was about 16 years Dude, old. That, so. That's awesome. <laughs> I feel like that's, I mean, that's a, a skill, a mindset that we just need more mm-hmm. as, as Christians. Yeah. Uh, you know, how am I going to serve where I am? It's mm-hmm. not, having a title or a position of yeah. minister or pastor it's yeah mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah so i went to my master's program and i ended up teaching at a school for a few years and taught bible and history oh cool and that's really where my heart for discipleship came out of um, mm. because i realized that i gotta spend more time with these kids than most of their parents did wow like yeah. intentional time yeah. Um, yeah and so i'd have kids come in during lunch and after school and just sit and talk and pray with them and it was just this cool experience to be like, hey, I can, you can like, be the church anywhere. Yeah, exactly. That's um, cool. Yeah, so I got moved here with my wife a few years ago and got another job at a school doing something very similarly. Um, and 
I'd always been kind of in quasi ministry. Like I was a chaplain at my old school. Yeah, I've, yeah. Um, yeah, been in different discipleship groups and loved different things. But I've never been in, I guess, uh, the the Western ministry. <laughs> I am a minister. I'm in the church. I'm doing yeah, this thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, at E3, um, I ended up speaking up at a, at a chapel one time, and Brian invited me to speak on a Sunday service. Nice. Their team met and was like, hey, we'd love for you to kind of start doing this more regularly. So I began speaking more yeah. on a teaching schedule, became part of a teaching team. Yep. So E3 is uh, one of our desires and goals is not just to have one voice up front. Exactly. I think that yeah. can lead to a lot of consumerism, celebrity mm-hmm. mentality. And yeah. also I just like have a huge heart that Jesus speaks um, differently to different people. Exactly. So being able to like, hear different voices yeah. for congregation for our family. So long story short, I guess... Uh, I ended up approaching Brian one day. I was like, I just feel like if there was ever a spot that would open up for me to be part of the team at E3, I would, I would, I would do it in an instant. Like I just feel this desire to teach more, to preach, and to be a part more a part of the church. Mm. Brian's like, that's great. We just don't have any finances for it. <laughs> He's like, you'd be my first hire if we actually had the money. And, yeah. Uh, and then this incredible orchestration from God is Brian started working more with the churches in the city, in the valley, yeah, working with yeah. City Network and Crossroads, and they yeah, yeah. gave us the ability to hire me on full-time. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so I became the, originally the, the teaching pastor, and I'm now taking on more of a full pastoral role at the church. Um, that's so cool. Yeah, so I've been there since last June. That's when I started full-time. Man. So Man. here we are. That is, that is a, quite the journey. Yeah. Um, and I, I love it because... You said like you kind of had that quasi ministry role, mm-hmm. right? Based off of our typical Western mindset, we think mm-hmm. of being in the church as a pastor on a staff or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who works over at a network office and mm-hmm. he was sharing with me the other day how his his son, his son is much younger. He's probably about my daughter's age. Somebody asked him about his dad and, you know, whether or not he's a pastor anymore. He's like, I don't know if my dad's a pastor anymore <laughs> because he's working at the network yeah. office and he's not in the church uh-huh. in that setting. Um, coming from that background though, mm-hmm. how do you see that connection? Um, for example, with people on campus, mm-hmm. um, ministries on campus, staff on campus, yeah. uh, that connection with local congregations, mm-hmm. uh, do you feel like there is a connection that could be made there to help work together um, more or support one another more? Uh, what have you seen that has been successful there? The thing that comes to mind is unpacking the pastoral role yeah. for the church family. And so okay. by that I mean is um, there still feels like there's a separation Mm. So uh, my my belief is that a pastor's job is always to point people towards Jesus. Yeah, and really, essentially, that's all of our jobs. Yeah, like that's all of our, <laughs> that's all of our purposes. Exactly. Um, and I think not undercutting the pastoral ministry, but bringing like Jesus was all about leveling the playing field. Mm. Like he started with a bunch of fishermen and truckers and yeah. IRS agents. Exactly. And, you right? know, like, not the kings. <laughs> I think, I I think in some ways, pastors have become kings in some mm. ways in our churches that they are kind of the up here role and um they're the, the ones that know they're the ones that know they're the ones yeah. that have like the deep intimacy with the lord they're the mm-hmm. ones and um yeah i think i think there's a, like a holy calling to the pastoral role because it's a, it's a calling of of suffering and service yeah um 
but the my heart and desire is to show that that's like for all people mm. is it's really the, yeah. the same thing that we're called to in ministry is what everyone's called to. It just looks differently. So in yeah. your friend in the network job, yeah, you know, one of my best friends works in a, in a high end marketing agency mm. and his whole role is like, is caring for some of the richest people in the world. And he's like, <laughs> dude, the, the, like the heartache of these people yeah. is undeniable. And just like oh, the man. opportunities he's had to, to share, um, to share the love of Jesus with them is yeah. it's monumental. Um, so yeah, that's, that's so cool. I don't, I don't know if I directly answered your question, but talking about that quasi ministry roles, it kind of yeah. made me realize I'm no different now that I'm like, you know, paid on staff as a church as I yeah. was five years ago. Um, it's all the same goal and purpose. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's really cool. And I think, especially a lot of Christian universities, right? Mm-hmm. I think they try to emphasize that mm-hmm. um, even as people are going through their schools, because whether you're in you know the, the- theology track or the mm-hmm. ministry track or whatever it may be, um, most Christian universities now have a business track. Yep. Most Christian uh-huh. universities you know, now have a liberal arts track or mm-hmm. whatever it might be, um, uh, education track. And there is that emphasis of this can still be your ministry. Mm-hmm. I wonder, uh, with that being an emphasis, if there is a way to help support uh, churches and churches to help support the colleges to make sure that's happening so that they're working together. So primarily they're talking about like Christian colleges and churches. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then even, I mean, we have, I mean, we're here in Boise. We have BSU, right? Uh, Over at BSU, you have... Christian ministers who are on that campus as missionaries, mm-hmm. you know, doing the chaplaincy role and different things. It's not a Christian university, but how can we, as the body of Christ, support them, mm-hmm. you know, and vice versa? Yeah. I feel there there needs to be that yeah. that connection to where we're not isolating from one another, yeah, so to speak. What do you think? What comes to the mind for you? What are some ways to bridge that gap? Man... I think a lot of it comes back to first knowing. I had no idea there were so many chaplains over there at BSU until I actually visited the campus. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, just kind of having the awareness, knowing is a big thing. Because I think a lot of people, once they know, uh, their hearts will automatically be drawn there. I think there's a lot of believers who maybe they're not as active as we would hope they are um, within their local ministries. But if they knew about this ministry over here, they'd be all over that. Yeah. And being willing to support that, right? Uh, even if I have a, a member within my church uh, that isn't really deep hands-on in our church, but knowing they have this passion and mm-hmm. for the college campus or whatnot, yeah. supporting them to go do that, even though it's not something that's directly, you know, yeah, I think that's connected hitting, to the church. You're hitting something really important there is not feeling the, the fear, the pressure to yeah. stay in the church. Mm. Cause I think we're, and by that, by that, I mean the, we have so much pressure in our churches to create our own programs. It's gotta yeah. be our thing in our place. Mm. that we lose the um, the ability to lift up and raise up other people on on, on different platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, every church has to have their own recovery group. You know, every church has to have their own, <laughs> you know we were talking about a, a widow yeah. ministry or a yeah. furniture ministry. Yeah. And it's like, 
what does it look like to operate as the church as a whole? Yeah. You know, in, in the Valley or in CUNA? Because um, there is, you know, I went to a 3DM conference this past year and we were talking about it. some of the pastors in, uh, in the Valley came to that as well. And just the kind of the religious spirit that we feel in the Valley. Mm. And from that, really how much competition plays a key part in that. Hmm. And this feeling that we are yeah. competing against each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like, we're not, but it feels that well, way. We shouldn't be. We right? should, at least we yeah, shouldn't yeah, be. Yeah. yeah. I even felt that personally today, I had a f- uh, friend call me up and say they were going to uh, another church and they were part of something on our team. And uh-huh. they just had this youth group they wanted to be a part of over there. And part of my heart like kind of clinched up. I was like, yeah. no, like, why are you not choosing <laughs> our church? And... I like, I've just felt yeah. the Holy Spirit be like, Hey, are you, do you realize the competition in your own spirit? Mm. Like, oh yeah, no, I didn't. So man, I think is, I think if we, as the church in the Valley can learn a lot about repentance in our own hearts for our own competition. Yeah. It would go a long way. To Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be big. Um, cause just even the fear of competition, even when it's not really there, yeah. just the fear of competition, uh-huh. um, can keep us from building bridges yeah. and, uh, from working together. Yeah. So that's, man, that's big. You mentioned how, uh, you know, the big C church is a really big part of E3's heart. Uh-huh. Um, and I've every, uh, minister I've talked to on your guys' staff. Uh, I thankfully had the opportunity of, you know, hanging out with a few people from E3 and uh, I was in a 3DM like group with oh, Brian. Cool. Good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, we was at one of their uh, events out here at Crossroads. Yeah. Uh, and we ended up uh, in one of the same breakout rooms and whatnot. But I've definitely picked that up with, with E3 and I've loved that. Uh, I've, that's something that I've definitely admired about E3 and also the teaching team. I remember talking to him about that. Uh, and that I find, I love that setup, just having that rotation of multiple voices. Cause you're right. It's one of those things to where if you're only hearing from one person, then you're not really getting what God is speaking to the five, 10, 20 others uh, that could be really helpful for someone else. So I, I love that. Uh, I was listening the other day to someone talk about just our communication advances and you know how the early church would have loved some of the yeah, <laughs> some of those things, but there's so much out there. You've mentioned uh, things like 3DM. You've mentioned City Network. Uh, we have some great ministries and organizations here in the Valley. Yeah. Uh, if someone were trying to help increase uh, the unity within their church or yeah. the unity between their church and other local congregations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What's something that you think they could take advantage of, uh, uh, action that they could take? Hmm. A few things come to mind. Yeah. I think one of the biggest ones is getting to know their story. Okay. Yeah. So by that, I mean, oftentimes, I haven't seen this as much in, in, in Keto and a few other places, but in my past, 
we can demonize people that are on the other side of the pews. Like, mm. you know, I mean, I grew up charismatic. And so okay. like the, you know, the Baptists, they just didn't understand. Jesus. <laughs> like, you know, the Baptists were like, well, you charismatics are rolling around the floor, demon possessed. Uh, you know, like whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and then I had a good friend who was Baptist. Yeah. And, and we disagreed like full heartedly on certain things. <laughs> but, like we loved each other and we were yeah. able to have conversations and mm-hmm. enjoy that time. And it was really when I started to learn his story that I realized like his deep love for the Lord and his deep mm. um, desire to just know him and have other people know him. Yeah. And so I think breaking down those walls through story is really helpful. Yeah. Just getting to know people from other churches and being, um, yeah. being okay with them being okay with disagreement. And, yeah. And, yeah. Um, you're going to come to other places, different places on other things. My wife and I come to different places on different things. I'm more unified with her than anyone else in this world. (laughs) Same in this house. Yeah, right. So so getting back to other stories is a big one. And then also I would say um, doing ministry together, Mm. which is something I I don't see as much. And I don't know how to unpack that Yeah, because it's just, I haven't seen it done well. I think we can do some some bigger programs, which are helpful. Like we're trying to do a worship night here in Cuba. Yeah, yeah. In a couple months and bringing the churches together. I think that's really important to see us as one, but like, what does it look like to do more common ministry week by week? Yeah. Like, what does it mean to just like pray together on a weekly basis? Basis. Mm. What does it mean to like, um, go like serve and feed the homeless together? Like, what is it, yeah. what does it mean to, to be the hands and feet, not divided, but as one? Um, yeah. Yeah. Man. And I feel like a big question that comes to mind. So if we were, I'm going to pick one or two things there. Like say we're getting, there was the opportunity for us to pray together every mm-hmm. week. There is an opportunity for us to serve the homeless mm-hmm. each week uh, for churches to do that and come together within a certain community. And let's pick on CUNA because yeah. that's, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Right. Uh, is it worth it? Is it worth the time for those different ministries, um, for those different uh, ministry leaders? Is it worth the time for those different believers and to come together for that time of prayer or that time of serving the poor in their community? Uh, I feel like that's a hurdle. That's a question that we really need to address because what's worth it is going to be different for different people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, People are going to find, find it. Some are going to find it worth it simply for the act of doing it. Mm -hmm. Others are going to find it worth it for uh, what, what comes at the back end of it. Hmm. Uh, Why would you say doing something, one of those things is worth it? So for me, it comes down to when I, if I'm, if I'm thinking about primarily church unity and how we can do this together, why I think prayer would be a really important aspect Mm. is when I'm in the presence of the Lord with other people, there's an intimacy that has just developed. Yeah. Even if I barely know your name, Mm. right? There's something about being in the throne room of God, (laughs) just worshiping you in prayer that you come to understand each other in a, in a new and a different way. Mm. But the, I think the hard part of what, about what you said, Nathaniel, is the 
the primary purpose, like yeah. getting people to actually catch that heart. Yeah. And that's, that's the difficult part because someone's going to be like, oh, okay, another prayer meeting, great. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's unfortunate, but yeah, um, our schedules... You know, I was. I was <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, I know, right? that's a trigger word right there. It is. Schedules. I was, I was reading some Eugene Peterson's autobiography, The Pastor, and it's so good. And he <laughs> describes he was struggling with some stuff in his third year, and he found yeah. basically this mentor to meet with him. And they had coffee like every Wednesday. Okay. I was like, what pastor is going to like offer to help out another pastor every Wednesday for coffee for a mm-hmm. couple hours? Like, yeah. It sounds really good, and I, I like want us to catch that vision. But honestly, man, we're just we're too busy mm. as a church. Like we are, yeah. like we are, we're too busy, hmm. um, and that's I struggle with that because our hearts, our our busyness is for the Lord. Like yeah. everything that we're doing, these programs and things we're putting up, or volunteer bases that we're trying to build, are all yeah. trying to build the kingdom. But I think we sometimes miss the main thing being the main thing. Mm. Um, and I think I, yeah, I don't recall. I just was reading Revelation four and five this morning, and when John steps through the door into heaven, mm-hmm. the first thing he sees is worship. Yeah, like just, just like <laughs> the elders, these crazy animal creatures, right? like worshiping the Lord, and um, just wondering how much of that worship we've put into just our one to two hours on Sunday mm-hmm. and what does that look like to be a people of worship, a people marked by his presence throughout the week mm. together as a church. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, man, you got me talking here. So I'm no, no, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's, that's big. That's good. Um, man, I think that is something though, is are, are we missing the mark, especially with the busyness, yeah. right? Because when you when we bring up the busyness, the first thing that comes to my mind was the time Jesus spent with his disciples. Mm-hmm. And we think of the ministry of Jesus, and I think you can think of it in so many different ways. You can think of it, of it as the sermons that he preached, which were amazing. Mm-hmm. The, the healings that he did, right? His healing mm-hmm. services. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think more than anything, what was the most impactful piece of Jesus' ministry, um, don't, don't crucify me for not focusing in on the cross here, because obviously that was the most impactful thing. But when we're thinking about the ministry that he did while he was living up until that point uh, and what carried on the most, it was the time he spent with the disciples. Yeah. I mean, it was the disciples learning under their rabbi, walking with him. Because that's the cool part is that's the development of discipleship in the church is like, will you walk with somebody for years? Exactly. um, Through the nitty gritty, through the hard stuff, through the fights that these guys (laughs) had and got into and through, I mean, 12 dudes walking on a road together for three years. Yeah. Rough stuff that came out. Well, and it's not just just 12 guys from cut from the same cloth yeah either. these are guys that were socially enemies yeah a lot of them uh-huh. a lot of them socially different social classes yeah. and uh saw each other's as enemies saw each other as as weak saw each other as compromising on their faith and mm-hmm. the fact that jesus would bring all of these people that were so different together yeah um 
Yeah, no, it's it really is a beautiful thing to think about that yeah. walking with Jesus. I yeah. want to wrap back around just for one second about yeah. busyness because I want to make sure that I talk about it in the best way. I, I don't want to undercut or cut down pastors or pastoral ministry yeah. Yeah. about we're just being too busy and we need to cut it out. I think we've caught on to the cultural narrative in the West mm. that we are people that always must be doing. Yeah. And it's not just the pastoral ministry. It's every person in my church. Mm-hmm. It's all the friends that yeah. I have. It's... Um, Almost the number one response I get is uh, like, "Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just I'm busy." Yeah, you know? it's yeah. like almost staying, always, staying, staying busy, staying yeah. busy. That's almost yeah. always the response. And I think I'm trying to learn how to be an unhurried pastor, mm. like how to be obedient with what the Lord is offering me, because I found the times when I have my schedule full is I'm not giving my full heart to any one thing. Yeah, it's always running back and forth and I feel uh-huh. that stress and that I gotta this meeting's gotta end I yeah, can't yeah. really pay attention to you <laughs> because it's 12 o'clock and I gotta go run to this next yeah meeting. yeah but there's oh, just man. so much societal pressure for all of us here in the west to be constantly doing yeah yeah um, and I don't know like and will you be supported if uh, you're not constantly yeah supported? right absolutely <laughs> absolutely like that's that's a real question. Um, Can you be are, a church without all the programs? Exactly. And and when I say programs, like those are really helpful things. Like, they can uh, be, yeah. Oh, uh, we have a mops group in, in, yeah. in our in our church that like really ministers to to my. I have a one year old daughter. You have a three year old. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Mamas need some help. Exactly. Like, they just do. And I've I've heard lots of great things. Um, lots of great testimonies from mops groups. Yeah. They're beautiful. Yeah. Someone's got to put it on. Exactly. Someone's got to raise the funds. Someone's got to volunteer. And so our programs are good. I just question mm-hmm. the um, having our hands in too many pots, maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Which coming back to it, to, to church unity, is how cool would it be for us to, as a church, as different churches, to own just one or two things well mm. instead of doing it all. Yeah. Like, can, you know... ECC take on the mops groups in right. Kuna and Nampa or whatever yeah. that might be. Yeah. And, you know, E3 can take on a recovery group and yeah. this other one can have a widow's group. I don't know. I'm just yeah. thinking and, through. And we here. know and share and are willing to send our church members to that church yeah. for that program. Uh-huh. Um, because it's not like you have to, they're not saying, oh no, you have to attend here yeah, to right. <laughs> go to our mops group. But you're a mom here in CUNA. We want to serve you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's big. Something about that idea of actually being able to carve out the time mm-hmm. um, and then placing that value on it, that this time is untouchable. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if we're, if we're not doing that personally, I don't think we're going to do it as, you know, as ministry organizations, right? Mm, uh, if if we don't see the value of personal time and prayer, mm-hmm. I don't think we're gonna see great value in people coming together. You know, different from different churches and whatnot coming together. Yeah. Uh, but if we truly do believe in the power of prayer, mm. I mean. Obviously, we don't want to be those that do nothing but pray because we should act as well, right? Uh, but maybe we could elevate that time of prayer mm-hmm. more 
to where coming together with one another is is that important? I think that's a big question for for all of us is, you know, what would make that time worth it or what does make that time worth it? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we already know it would be worth it um, and we just need to sit with, okay, why? And I think a big thing we need to come back to is, is that something that we see modeled for us in scripture? Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, really, is that when we always like to think of the explosiveness of the early church and the miracles of the early church and all those different things. But um, what about the simple things? What about the day to day? What what was it like and was it worth it for them to come together? Yeah, I think two stories come to my mind as you were talking one is um, Acts 1, when Jesus is taken up into heaven. Yeah. It says, basically, stay, like I will, um, like the Holy Spirit will come upon you with power. Mm. And they leave, and it says the first thing that they do is the disciples went to the upper room and prayed together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the next chapter right after that is, is the Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit yeah. falls. And we love to concentrate on Pentecost, because it's this... Especially as a Pentecostal growing up, like, <laughs> tongues of fire, like Come on now. your sons and daughters prophesied, <laughs> speak in tongues. But I think so. I think chapter one kind of gets out of the wash a little bit. But Pentecost mm. was built on a foundation of prayer. Yeah, you know, I mean, the Holy Spirit was going to show up no matter what. It was the Holy Spirit doing what yeah. the Holy Spirit wanted. But He came to a people that were gathered in prayer. Yeah, for yeah. how long too? Right. Yeah. Pentecost is fifty days after yeah. the Passover, so. I mean, maybe take away a week, right? Take 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 away a week or two um, of Jesus' death, resurrection, and him showing himself around to a bunch of people, right? Yeah. But how soon he had that conversation with them, and then t- tells them to go and wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't. They didn't happen the next night. Yeah. <laughs> They, yeah, they, yeah, they weren't there. They didn't show up one day, sleep a night, and then Pentecost happened the next day. They were yeah. probably there praying for a while. Yeah, I mean, I fully believe that the Holy Spirit responds to hearts yielded in prayer. Mm. And I, I don't even like necessarily something like the Holy Spirit responds because that makes the person of spirits feel like this force. Like, if you check this list off, the mm. Spirit shows up. I'm not saying that at all. So don't yeah, no, I hear you. I hear technicality, you. but there's something about a surrendered heart in prayer yeah. that, like, I've seen the Holy Spirit move. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I would say, and I, and I don't know, I don't know that even using the term respond, I wouldn't say that response means that it's forced, mm-hmm. but it is showing that. I mean, again, I guess th- this word um, depends on how you take it, but I'm thinking of being being moved by someone, mm-hmm. not being forced, but mm-hmm. your uh, it it just captures your heart, mm-hmm. and I feel like it does. It captures God's mm-hmm. heart. It captures His attention, yeah. um, and it's not that His hand is forced, um, but that there's a desire there. I'll tell you what, man. When my daughter looks at me with those eyes and yeah. I have her soul focus, right? <laughs> get tears just thinking about it. The first thing, I, my only uh-huh. response is to run over and grab her in right? my arms. Like, that's all I can do. Yeah. Like you just, right? She smiles at me and I melt. You know. Mm. And, and what? And that's such a great picture too, right? I mean, you think about that as a parent. 
Yeah. Right? And what you want to do for your kid when they're crying to you. Yeah. Like, man. Yeah. They're not forcing you. They're not old enough to. They're not big enough to, right? (laughs) You don't have to respond. And I think that's, honestly, like the more we're talking here, what I feel like is just the crux of this moment for us here in CUNA is Mm. like, will we gather in prayer together and allow the spirit to break down those walls? Mm. Like, will we gaze at Jesus together? Remember our first love, remember the main thing. Yeah. And I I don't want to get overly, um, what's the word for it? Uh, idyllic you know like no, no, romanticized vision like if we just sit in a prayer room together all the problems will be fixed like no I don't like like, it's, it's hard when, like when a Absolutely. baptism Pentecostal comes together it's difficult it just yeah. is so I don't want to uh, over yeah. uh, and people pray differently right? yeah right like, they do pe- Absolutely. Pe- people are gonna want to carry out their prayers in different yeah. manners um, being able to meet together in that I think is yeah something essential yeah yeah um, no I think that's I think while it won't solve everything, that is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. I think that is the best place to start. Yeah, um, is by joining together in prayer. Yeah. Uh, when you join together in prayer, you're you're acknowledging, okay, God, you're God, mm-hmm. you're our Lord, you're our King, and we're mm-hmm. submitting to you here, um, and moving from that position of humility. Uh, that then things can happen. Yeah. I think if, if if we're willing to come together in a place of humility, seeking God's heart first, then yeah, a lot could happen. A lot could happen. Uh, so, I mean, any any last words, any last word of wisdom or <laughs> advice um, that you would like to drop? Uh, just concerning the the idea of the church working together, ministering together. Um, I think if we're if we're sending this out to the to the podcast verse, the podcast <laughs> verse it's just a a an ask for people to pray for their pastors. Oh, like this like this moment that we're come in, on is it's we need it. Like yeah. I need it. Yeah, I need your prayers. Mm. Um, like we need, we need the spirit's help. Yeah, um, it's always uh, every life has always been a hard life, and in, in pastoral ministry, this one especially, mm-hmm. and the and the pain and the heartache of it. Um, well, yeah, we can use your prayers a lot. Yeah, no, that's good, and I absolutely agree. Uh, let's not underestimate the power of prayer. Amen. <laughs> Thanks for having me over to the chat. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, And definitely, hopefully, we can do this again. Yeah. Hopefully.